Alright, if you haven't been with us or you're just joining us online or your first time here in person, we've been in this series called The Upside Down. The Upside Down. What? I forgot again. The children are dismissed at Children's Church. Now's the time. And there they go. Pray for your children's workers as they make their way back out and to the right. Thank you for that reminder. Appreciate that. If it's not on the slides, you know, it's, i got to read exactly what's on the teleprompter. <laughs> the upside down. We talk about kingdom living and how kingdom living, when Jesus came onto the scene, uh, people had been living in the what we would refer to as the Old Testament, right? And the Old Testament closed with a book, and it stopped, and, and we have these years between the Old and the New, which were, which were what scholars and theologians call the silent years, where God had prophets and people that He would speak through, and, and all of that happened in the Old Testament. We read about all of that, and how God used people uh, to speak through uh, and to, to accomplish what He had to accomplish in establishing the law, and all of the stuff that happened in the Old Testament. And then God remained silent for 400 or so years. And you think, ah, we read that, right? 400 years. 400 years is a long time. But now we come to this place where God begins to speak again. And He comes into the... We we start to read in the book of Matthew in our New Testament. um, The first time Jesus is sort of establishing, we read about the genealogy, we read about who He is, and how that all came about, and how Christ came onto the scene. And then we get into Him selecting His disciples. He gets tempted, and all of this happens. And Jesus actually begins His public ministry, His preaching... Uh, from this great sermon that he gets up on the mountainside and he begins to preach this Sermon on the Mount. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5. If you haven't gotten there, if you don't know by now, this is the longest series I've ever preached. But I pray that, that the Holy Spirit is using that in your life. That through all of these, what we call the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 from Jesus' first Sermon on the Mount, that the Holy Spirit has been working and speaking and you're, you're, the light's going off and you're kind of like, yeah, I never saw that before in God's Word. That's, and, and I pray that that's transforming the way that you read these words again. A lot of us who have been Christians walking with Jesus for a while, um, we've seen these words before and read them, but that's the awesome great thing about God's Word is it's alive. It's not just a book. It's not just words on a page because we have His Spirit living in us These words get translated at different seasons, different times in our lives, and these truths speak to us as we journey with Christ. So, Matthew chapter 5, and I really know, I really believe, and and this this one for sure, this beatitude, everything that's in me, I believe, if you apply what we read this morning, not because of what I say, but because of what the Word of God says, if you apply this to your life, it will change you drastically. Some of you may be three quarters of the way there. And you, you'll hear what God's word has to say in Matthew chapter 5. And you will say, you know what? The light bulb will go off. The Holy Spirit will say, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say. And it'll just kind of go off in your mind. So Matthew chapter 5, we're getting to verse 9. And uh, if you have your Bibles, now's the time. If you have your apps, it'll also be on the screen. Matthew 5, verse 9, it reads this. This is Beatitude number 7, for those that are keeping track. It says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will what? 
Be, thank you. This is so great. It's, it's, remember, this is a dialogue, not a monologue, right? There's no one else up here. It's lonely up here. I need you all this morning, all right? It's pastor appreciation morning, right? Help me out here this morning. You know, I always wanted to flip pastor appreciation on its head and say, you know what, here's all the people that I appreciate and bring you all up front. But that would empty out the seats and everybody would be standing up here because we couldn't do this without all of you as well. So just know that that's on my mind. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children or, or one translation says the sons of God. And at this juncture in our study, there's a seismic shift that is happening in the Beatitudes right here. The first ones that we've already looked at, the first six, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, are mostly dealing with who you are. It's mostly dealing with who you are. Who God expects you to be. But when we come to this seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers... It's something that God actually expects us to do. He expects expects us to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. It's active. Making peace. There's a couple of reasons why God desires that. Number one, peace is elusive, right? How many know that today? The peace, everywhere you look, all we see in our world is division and strife. And we've been, we've been preaching this for weeks. And I know some people have heard it. But it is, there is division everywhere. Arguing, conflict in our homes, in our families, in the news outlets, in our country, and around the world. There seems to be right now a lack of peace. There seems to be no one that is at peace. The second reason he calls us to be peacemakers is because, well, you can't buy it anywhere. It's not found in a bottle. It's not found in a bank account. It's not found on a shelf. You can't purchase. You can't get peace. Just, just come across it. Oh, I want some peace. And you, it just, there's a mall in Minneapolis, Minnesota called the Mall of America. Anybody ever been? Mall of America? A few people? A few people? That mall is said to be the largest mall in the country, right? And and it's 4.2 million square feet. There's 330 stores in the Mall of America. There are restaurants and nightclubs, and there's even an amusement park, a roller coaster, an amusement park inside the mall. It's so big, it's equivalent to 88 football fields and employs 10,000 people, and there are 40 million visitors to that mall every single year. It's kind of like one of the stores locally. If they don't have it there, you don't need it. But there's one thing at that mall that you cannot buy. And that's peace. You can't go buy that somewhere. It's elusive and it's, it's, not, it's a commodity that you can't purchase. And God has commissioned us, the church, all of us, <laughs> In this new kingdom that Jesus is establishing here, according to these new rules, that you and I are to be peacemakers because it's something in this world that the world is desperately in need of. So where do we learn about peace? How do we become peacemakers? Well, it begins by looking, as you know, at the Word of God. Because as you read through the Word of God, you'll notice that throughout the entire New Testament, there is this theme, if you read it, of peace. 
27 books in the New Testament. Each and every book contains the word peace. And I want you to know this morning that at the very beginning of Jesus' life, when He was born in Bethlehem, you know that season's coming, we're going to start to hear about that story again. Luke chapter 2, we read it every Christmas season. Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, say it with me church, Peace to those on whom His favor rests. Then you go throughout the life of Christ, right? And at, at the end of His ministry, right before He goes to the cross, John in chapter 14 tells us this. He says to His followers, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. You read through the rest of the New Testament after the the life of Jesus is over and and the Apostle Paul kind of takes over with his letters and he writes this, is this familiar phrase on most of his letters at the beginning. He he says what? Grace and peace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins most of his letters except when he was really ticked off. (laughs) He begins grace and peace to you. Y'all know that Paul had a little had a little had a little streak in him that said, "Look guys, knock it off." We know that besides the Bible talking about peace, that the enemy, the devil has come to wreak havoc and destruction throughout the entire world. So no wonder Jesus through this seventh beatitude challenges each one of us to become agents of peace, to help make peace in this world. Three things I want to give you this morning about what it means to be a peacemaker. How to become a peacemaker. Number one, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. If you're not much of a note taker, you might write this down. A peacemaker is someone who has first made peace with God. Someone who knows Christ. All peace begins with you knowing Christ and having made peace with God. The Bible teaches that the only way that anyone can ever have peace with God is to have a relationship with Christ. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, you know, I always back it up. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is, right there. There it is in black and maroon. It's easy to explain. You go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were created and everything was just perfect, right? They lived in paradise. There was no war. There was no hatred. There was no fighting. There was no, they didn't have marriage problems. There, were no, there was no turmoil of any kind until sin entered the world. And when sin entered into this world, it ruined everything. And man is now living under this curse called sin. Every man, woman, and child on this planet lives under this curse called sin. And from that day until today, man has been at war with God and with one another. According to James, chapter 4 says this. What causes all wars and fights? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't you know they come from your desires that battle within you? We like to blame everybody but ourselves, right? We like to blame everyone else. Do you don't know what they said? Ah, can you imagine what? I, I got to react. Well, the Word of God tells us, where does that fighting and all those quarrels come from? 
you. <laughs> it comes from that desire that's in you. We're corrupted by sin. We're under the curse. So we have this, this pent-up anger and frustration, and I'm going to... Mm. This battle comes from within you. And verse 2 actually reads this. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You want something? You can't get it? I'm going to get it. You covet, so you quarrel and you fight because you can't have it. Here's the encouraging word for this morning. America is number one in violent crime. Number one in divorce, number one in illegal drugs, number one in teenage pregnancies. We are number one in abortion. We don't have economic peace. We don't have religious peace. We don't have social peace. We don't have racial peace. Why don't we? We don't have inner peace for sure. Why is that? It's because we don't know Jesus Christ. That's what the word tells us. This peace comes from knowing Christ. You've all seen this t-shirt, right? Right? Many of us have seen this t-shirt. You've seen it somewhere, I'm sure. You look at the blue letters, and you see the word N-O, right? No, N-O. That if there's no Jesus in your life, there's no peace in your life. But if you know Christ, you know peace. I want you to know this morning that that's not just a t-shirt. It's clever. I get it. It's awesome, actually. Pastor Appreciation, if you haven't gotten me one of those yet, it's not too late. But it's actually scriptural. If you go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says this, And through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whoever, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You want to, so it says, Jesus reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven. How did he do that? By making the peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. In other words, our sins and the conflicts within us that we just heard about, the quarrels that are us, the evil desires that are in us, the Bible calls it, because of all that, there is no N-O peace. Yet Jesus, he goes to the cross, he sheds his blood, Right? Real churchy stuff here. He sheds his blood for an atonement of our sin, for our sin. So we no longer have to live in this broken relationship with God. And it's because of the shedding of his blood, of Jesus Christ, that we can ever, ever experience true peace. You cannot be a peacemaker unless you yourself have peace. Peace. In fact, the Bible says, if you do not know Christ, Ephesians tells us this, that He Himself is our peace. I love that. He Himself is, is our peace. So number one, a peacemaker is someone who has made peace with God, someone who knows Jesus. Number two, if you're a note taker, a peacemaker is someone who makes peace with one another. And follow me here why this series is called The Upside Down, right? This isn't something you hear a lot of times outside these six walls. It's not something you hear oftentimes in the world, let's call it. This peace, we don't, we don't hear that, we don't see that. 
So a peacemaker is someone who has made peace with God. And number two, it's someone who has made peace with one another. One another. Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers, but I'm afraid some of us are actually peace fakers. Peace fakers, it's someone who's just at war with everyone. You know, they, they get upset all the time. You know, they might come and sit in a, in a congregation or a gathering somewhere and they might look okay to you, but inside their heart, it's just kind of all on the surface, it's all fake. And they're peace fakers. They get, they're angry, they're upset, they, they have people in their lives that they really don't like and they won't deal with, people they don't care for, they don't get along with. So we have peace fakers. We also have in our, in our circles, and you know them, don't point at anyone, peace breakers, right? We have people that are just causing all the problems. There might be certain peace or a certain calm in a family, and Thanksgiving's coming, y'all, I know. I know, in your gatherings... People will gather at certain places in homes or wherever, and you know the peace breakers. Maybe some of you are the peace breakers. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will change that. But these are the people that are calling, causing all the problems. And some of you think that this beatitude says, blessed are the troublemakers. It doesn't. It's not what we do. Some are peace fakers, some of us are peace breakers, but Jesus Christ calls us to be peacemakers. And I want to ask how many of you just know someone who's just difficult to get along with. Does anybody know anyone like that? Thanksgiving's coming. Some of you are sitting, don't point, do not point. <laughs> Tell you a quick, 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 quick story. There's a guy that went to the doctor's office. And uh, he had a mole right here under his neck, right? Just had a little mole, wanted to get it taken care of. And uh, right underneath his jaw, kind of his neck. And he wanted just to get it checked, right? Good, proactive kind of guy. He's like, ah, I probably should get that checked. He walks in and there's a nurse in there who is one of these people, right? And she's just upset all the time. Just, just that. You, he goes in there knowing that this is okay. So she's sitting in there and he's like, hey, good morning. Um, just wanted to uh, kind of get this mole checked out right here. Um, I know, you know, it's, it's a minor compared to some of the things people come in here with, I'm sure. But I want to get this mole checked out right here. Is that okay? And she goes... Go down the hall, third door on the right, take off your clothes and sit down. He looks at this lady like, um, pardon me, maybe you didn't hear me. She didn't even look up. Uh, she, he, just this mole, I need to see if I can get it. Take care, just this little, go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. So he starts to argue and says, look, I don't need, I just need someone who can look at this. She says, I told you, go down the hall, third door on the right, take off your clothes and sit down. I mean, at this point, he's like, all right. Goes down the hall, third door on the right, takes off his clothes and sits down. And he gets there and there's another guy sitting there naked. <laughs> and he goes, she's, she's a little rough, huh? And the guy goes, yeah, tell me about it. I'm the UPS driver. <laughs> People that are just down the hall. Romans 8, 9 tells us this. And if anyone does not have this, the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. God has called us to be his hands and feet. Imagine that. He's called us to be his voice of compassion, to, get, to be peacemakers. 
He's called us to be the builder of bridges. Every single, and, and you cannot find this outside of Christ. Every single president, every administration says every time they get into office, we're going to work to bring peace to the world. Every time someone says that, I think to myself a couple things. One is that you are not going to bring peace to the world. I think that because every single president has made that promise and everyone to come will make that promise and they all fail in that promise because there is no peace in this world. That's my first thought. The second thought is it's not the job of the president, a king, a dictator, a ruler to bring peace or make peace in this world. It's not the job of politicians to make peace in this world. It's not the job of kings or the United Nations to make peace or any diplomat. God has placed the calling of bringing peace to those of us who are Jesus followers. It's our job. It's our job. It's not his job. It's not his job. It's not his. It's our job. Romans 12.18 says this, If it's possible, I love that. Seems like it's not possible. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on the person next to you, (laughs) it's not what it says. As far as it depends on your mother-in-law, that's not going to happen. As far as it depends on, and my mother-in-law is here this morning, (laughs) but as far as it depends on you, live at, please say it with me, church, peace with Follow the bouncing pastor, everyone. <laughs> Romans 14, I love the book of Romans, you all know that. Romans 14, 19. Therefore, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Let us do ever, let's make every effort to do what leads to peace. You see, once we have peace with God, we are then to be peacemakers with one another. Actually, the Greek word is an active word in pe- with peacemakers, and it's where you take initiative, where you intervene. It's where you make the first move. You don't sit back and hope the problem goes away. You don't sit back because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't, no, you've got to engage. You've got to be involved in order to be a peacemaker. It might be in your home. It might be with your children. It might be with another church member. It might be with an employee or employer, a neighbor, a teammate, a classmate. The true peacemaker seeks solutions and is involved, is engaged. Seeks solutions, not arguments. They seek to calm the waters and not to stir them up. Do, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We don't stir the pot. We don't stir people up. We do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We work for reconciliation and not division. See, peacemakers bring people together. We're not just supposed to know Christ. We're supposed to reflect Christ. A true peacemaker is someone who knows Jesus and then reflects Jesus. And if you study Jesus' life when he was here on this planet, he was consistently reaching out and constantly reaching out to other people. He took 12 disciples and turned them into a band of brothers. And some of those disciples had very different backgrounds, personalities, short fuses, (laughs) storied pasts. 
And he brings these guys together and, and is the peacemaker and brings them together into a band of brothers that change the entire world. Constantly reaching across these cultural barriers. He invited a woman into his inner circle who normally in those days women were not found in public ministry. Children that were normally pushed away, he said, bring them. He welcomed children. He even reached out to a tax collector sinner named Zacchaeus. Y'all know Zacchaeus? Was he a big stout man? He was a, a wee little man. But he had dinner with him even despite criticism from other people. If you know Jesus, you'll reflect Jesus. You'll act like him. You'll talk like him. You will love like him. And you will seek to bring peace between people who are divided. Number three, a peacemaker is someone who leads others. To make peace with God. And that cycle starts all over again. Because when we lead others to make peace with God. Then they can make peace with God. And that whole cycle starts over again. And they become peacemakers. You begin to help other people find peace. Your priority becomes to lead others to make peace with God. Our task is to know Christ, to reflect Christ, and then to share Christ in these three points. The peacemaker is someone who is not content. Hear me on this, church. The peacemaker is someone who is not content to go to heaven alone. The peacemaker. Someone not content to go to heaven alone. So many of us hold grudges. We hold on. We hold on to pain and bitterness and resentment. We hold on, we just, we're not, we just don't let go. And the Bible tells us that we're just hurting ourselves. But we're also create, creating something in that, that we will never have the opportunity. We're talking about leading other people, sharing Jesus, sharing the peace of Jesus with other people. When we hold on to those bitterness and all those grudges, we, we really destroy the opportunity. To lead those people to Christ. I'm not talking about you guys. I know you guys are, you're here, your halos are polished. You're here on Sunday morning early. I get it. Not y'all, but people you know that really don't reflect Christ the way they're supposed to. Not us. We're, I get it. We're polished. We're fine. But you'll never have an opportunity to share Jesus with people that you remain upset with. And that's really the bottom line. One final story I'll share with you. It happened, uh, this happened at a Golden Corral restaurant. Y'all know Golden Corral? <laughs> Save your opinions. I hear you. But it was Sunday, needless to say, Golden Corral, it was a Sunday around noon, and there was a guy at Golden Corral that was covered head to toe in Thousand Island dressing. I'm not talking about a little bit of dressing on it. I'm talking about two gallons of Thousand Island dressing head to toe. From the top of his head, down his face, in his beard, Thousand Island dressing. All the way down to his feet. And you say... How did this happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. He was inside the Golden Corral, and there was a waitress 
who was carrying a two-gallon tub of Thousand Island dressing to the salad bar. She was about to replenish it, and about that time, they have these swinging doors in kitchens that come out into, onto the floor at the Golden Corral. And she came through there, and one of the doors opened, and through a series of unfortunate events, she jumped forward, and she stumbled, and there went the Thousand Island dressing all over this guy. And he's standing there, and he's in a suit, covered. And the guy goes ballistic. He's shouting, he's swearing, he's saying, you're so stupid, how could this happen? This suit cost me $400, and now you've ruined it. I want to see the manager. And this little waitress, she's all, although she's shaking, I'll get, get the manager. She goes and gets the manager, and he comes out and says, is there a problem? And Yes, there's a problem. And the manager tries to calm the guy down. And you know, the guy kept saying that she's so dumb and how can you hire? Why would anybody do that? My suit is ruined. The manager said, sir, sir, we'll gladly pay for the dry cleaners to clean your suit. I mean, it's okay. The guy said, no, I don't want my suit cleaned. I need my suit replaced. And I'm not leaving here until I get a check for $400. And the manager, whatever it takes, okay, sir, yeah. He goes back and he gets him the check for $400. And he comes out and brings this to the man. And he gives him to the man. And the man goes away uttering obscenities the whole time with his check. Drying from this Thousand Island dressing. Let me ask you a question this morning. Knowing all of that, it's Sunday afternoon at the Golden Corral. A little after 12 noon. And there's a man wearing a suit. Why would anybody be wearing a suit at the Golden Corral a little after 12 noon on a Sunday morning? Because he had been to church that day. Right. And I don't want to judge because I don't know all the facts, but at any time, for any reason... If you put up a wall between you and someone else, you're ruining any chance that you may have to lead that person into a saving, life-altering, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Peacemakers build bridges in order that they might help people meet Jesus. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the only way that any of us are ever going to get along and find peace, because let's face it, we're all different. If I, if I ask ten of you to give your opinion on a certain subject, I would get ten completely different answers. Completely different. Peace makers. It's not exactly what you see on the news, in families, in classrooms. You don't exactly see that. It's kind of upside down from what the world normally puts forth. We don't see a lot of peacemakers. Our country is constantly divided over every issue. And the only way we're ever going to have any unity between us as human beings is when I get my eyes on Jesus and you get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Because He is the only thing that can truly unite us as humans. 
if we had a thousand pianos and you tune your piano to a certain way and you tune your piano to a certain way you think is right and you tune yours and I tune mine to what I think is right because it's based on how I think it should sound based on how you think a piano based on what you remember it should sound like and then we all get together and we play those pianos based on what we think they should sound like Uh, it's going to be chaos it would be a mess but if we took those same thousand pianos and we tuned them to the same fork it would be perfect harmony In that same way, you and I, we see a lot of chaos in the world. We do. But first, we have to have peace in our own heart. We have to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we help build bridges and we bring people together and we introduce them to Jesus Christ. Then and only then will we ever know anything called peace. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 52, and we'll close with this. Isaiah 52 says, How beautiful, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. And that's God, that's folks, that's what God calls us to do. To proclaim peace to the world through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? As we worked our way through this far in the Beatitudes, as I said before, there's, there's a certain order to God's Word. And having said all that Jesus had said leading up to this point, He starts to talk about us being peacemakers. <laughs> After we've gone through all of those steps that we've learned about in the last several weeks, we get to this point. And as these Beatitudes are stepping stones, as we described, you cannot get from one to the other without having been from that one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You have to become poor in spirit where you think, I am nothing without you, God. And then you can get on with, blessed are the meek. Blessed are that you can keep on going throughout this stepping stone process. So after you hunger and thirst for righteousness... You become a peacemaker. Only God gives you the strength to be a peacemaker. You can't do that on your own. So as we close this morning, if you would bow your heads this morning and we'll pray together. And once again, if, if you'd like to stay, anybody that's in this room is welcome to stay and have some fellowship and help us to get to know one another a little bit more, have some chicken and cheese. You're you're very welcome to stay and hang out. But as you leave this place, as you leave this sanctuary, might you remember the words that were spoken this morning? 
And as I said at the very beginning of all of this talk this morning, if you will apply what's found in God's Word in this section of the Beatitudes in being a peacemaker, if you'll apply it, it will change your life. Say, Pastor, I know Jesus, and I know, and I'm saved, and I'm, I was saved when I was, you know, uh, at camp meeting, and I'm sanctified, and I'm, yeah, I know. But are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Pray that God gives you the strength, if that's not kind of how you're wired. Because it's very difficult to be a peacemaker when there are so many peacebreakers and so many peace fakers among us. Let's have a word of prayer, bow our heads together as a family. Father, as we've heard from your word this morning, and Lord, we've prayed that the Holy Spirit would go before, so I know that God, the Holy Spirit, is, is working in hearts here this morning and join, and anyone joining us online that is taking the words of your word, God, seriously this morning. Might they impact our hearts so that we can go forth from this place. Peacemakers. God, might we think about this beatitude speaking about peace before we post. Might we think about this, Lord, this beatitude about being a peacemaker before we open our mouths. Because, God, it's very hard to lead someone to Christ into peace when we hold a grudge or when we put up walls. So, Father, help us to be peacemakers And God, if we're being honest with ourselves and before you this morning, Lord, we need help with that. So God, might our prayer be this morning and maybe for the next several days or weeks or whatever it takes, God. God, create in me a pure heart, a peace-making heart. That others might be able to see that, Lord, we are only peacemakers and the only ability we have to be makers of peace is through our relationship with You. So help us to get to know You more that we may be able to find peace ourselves. And then, Lord, as we go into the highways and the byways of our lives, whether it's a school classroom a workplace, a circle of friends, a book club, whatever it is, people would see something in us that's so evident that we are in relationship with you. They see us as a peacemaker. We can point them to our peace. The Prince of Peace. Father, go with us as we go about our lives. And although we may leave this sanctuary, Lord, may we not leave your presence. I pray, Lord, for the meal that we're about to eat together as a family. And I pray, Lord, the blessing upon that food, that it would nourish our bodies, Lord, not to, not to do anything apart from praising you even more. 
We give you all the credit and all the glory in all things, Lord. And we thank you for meeting us here this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. God bless you all. It's wonderful to see your smiling faces. Please stay for the chicken and cheese. There's more than chicken and cheese. Please stay for the meal and join us.